Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to put a cheesy smile on that. Some of you are like... It, just so you know, that's the la- this is the last day you get to hear that music. Some of you are like, oh, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll send you a sample or send it to you if you want. But so good. Thanks, Josh, for sharing that. Lots going on, as always, here. I want to take a moment. If we haven't met, I am Dan. I serve as the pastor here. So if you're new, great to have you here. Part of our Sunday. You're actually catching us. As you just saw, we're wrapping up a, a series we're doing, Healthy, Wealthy, Wise. It comes from Benjamin Franklin, who says, early to bed, early rise, makes a man or woman healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, and I, I think I try to live by that at some point in my, in my life and trying to, to tackle my day early and go to bed on time and all that goes on there. But, you know, if we, if we think of, and this has been the, the spin and the perspective of that, is that if we do that on a human level, to get healthier and to get more wealth and more wisdom, if we're doing it in a consumer mindset, we'll never have enough. We never will. We'll never be healthy. We'll never be wise enough. We'll never have enough money, whatever it might be. But if we have a kingdom perspective, it's, it's pretty amazing what God can do. And, and really today, I want to, if you can put a bow on the whole series, I want to really talk about our response to that. Our response to what God has already given us and has blessed us with as people. And to help us out as a response, I have brought back the green box, the green toolbox. Andrew pointed this out. He goes, I've seen this before. Uh, Yeah, this has been in my garage almost 25 years. We've packed this around for 25 years. The reason it's 25, almost 25 years old is in June 11th, 1994, maybe, maybe after we got back on our honeymoon, we, we opened this, a gift, and it had a green toolbox. Now, it's, I, at the time, it seemed like an unusual gift to get for a wedding. You usually get like a crystal platter, which we got 12 of those, a toaster, you know, but it was like a green toolbox. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Um, cool. And then we open it up and these weren't the exact tools, but I do remember these are the three tools inside. There was a hammer, there was a tape measure and a screwdriver. And that was it. That's all we got right there. And you're like, that's not much. Well, when you were a bachelor, you had a bent butter knife to fix everything with. This was a step up. But for my wife and I, it's been kind of a metaphor of our marriage, uh, having this toolbox that we've, that we've, moved multi-states with and multi-homes with, we've kept it with us. Now, over time, we have acquired more tools than that's right here. In fact, I got a whole garage full of tools. Most of them were collected through garage sales or inherited. People literally died. For me, it sounds morbid. I have a bunch of tools that, that, you know, and the longer you live, you just, you collect things, you inherit things, and it's part of it, and they're wonderful to have, and, but this little box has been, again, again, symbolic for us, is that there's times when we needed something, we, we turn to what the tools that we have, and I've kind of used this as a metaphor when I've done premarital counseling for marriage couples, and I, I, I say to them as I prepare 
them, help them prepare for marriage. I said, what I'm going to share with you is some tools. Here's your toolbox. Here's some things you need to put in your toolbox. Here's a lesson. Here's a, here's a communication tool. Here's a budgeting tool. Here's how you resolve conflict tool. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll put it in there. No, you're going to need that later. You're going to want to hang on to that. And in, in your life as well, you've had tools in, in your life's toolbox as we have had in life. And the, but the challenge is there's times when you don't have the tool for the task that you need to accomplish something. So what do you do? Well, you go get the tool to find it. You find the tool to do the task, to do, to do the job. But the challenge many times is in our life and thinking more beyond just physical things that we need to fix in life, but marriage and finances and problems and lots of other things. Sometimes you just don't have the right tool for the toolbox and you can't afford it. You don't know what to get. And so what you do if you don't have it is you trust. You trust that in God, that God will provide what you needed. And I can say close to 25 years of marriage, God has provided what we needed when we needed it. But I tell you, there was a lot of dependence upon him. There was some strain and some struggles and some, some, some desperate prayers saying, God, we're at the end of our rope here. I don't know what we're going to do to get through what we need to get through. But we got another paycheck to make it through another month. We were able to get through this situation and this crisis. And God has provided what we needed when we needed it. And I, I really believe that. I believe that for our church as well. Been pastor here, I guess almost 11 years. Is it 10 or 11? That's when you keep tracking. So, is it been, you know, how, we, how old were you? You were 11 then, weren't you, Shane? Yeah, it was, it was a while ago. But, but I look back on that and I remember how God has provided miracle after miracle. When the church needed something, we we're a desperate place and God provide. In fact, tomorrow evening, I hope you can come and we're going to talk about miracles. We're going to talk about what God has done. And some of you are new to our story. Uh, I hope that you can be a part of it to listen to the work God's provided when he, and given us what we need and when we need it. And I'll tell you this, just to give you a foreshadow, we're going to need more miracles. We're going to need to really believe God. And I have trust in this, that God's always provided when we needed it. So I'm not worried about it. what he did it before. He'll do it again, but it's about trusting him and what we do have. And so today I want to, if I could put a little like response for us is, is to understand this and where you are, what you have is this first is this is, is just a thought is used to do this, to use what you have for God. That is, that's all God needs. Now you look at that, use what you have. Like that's not really that profound, but it's pretty practical. What we're going to talk about is use what you have, the, the, the amount of health and the wealth and the wisdom that you have. And if you have that, as you all do and I have, guess what? That's all God needs is what you have and what, and what I have. And when you don't have it, we're, we're learning to trust in to the one who does and will meet all our needs. And so that's the hope. And there's a, and really a challenge for us as a response of all that we've been talking about here in the last few years. And if you could put one word of a message here today, if you've been around church for a while, you could just call it this, it's stewardship. Stewardship. You might've heard that as a, as a Christian, as a, as a church word, but stewardship basically means this, is being responsible with what you do have for God's kingdom. It's, it's going with what you got. What you have. Well, I don't, and, and for some of us here today, you're going, I don't have a whole lot. I, I, you might be here going today, I have, I'm in great need. There's not a lot. Of, well, you have something, don't you? you? You're here. You had enough health to make it here today. You did. 
You got, you're healthy enough. There's days, some of you go, there's days I haven't made it to church because I haven't been healthy. There's a, today is the day you've been healthy enough to be here. There's some people that can't be here because they're not healthy enough. They're sick. There's a lot going on in their life. For some of you, you're wealthy enough. Why? You had enough gas in your car to make it here today. Some of you walked here today. You had, you had the ability to get here today. You have enough wisdom. It's a smart thing to be here today, to be in church, to gather here today. And, and, and that's, a, that's a good thing to do. You're here enough. You have something. And I'll tell you, what you have is this. That's all God needs. That's all, that's all God needs. And, and I, I, I want to wrap up that whole thought with a, a wonderful story in Scripture that we're going to look at today. And that's through the prophet Elisha, who has an interaction. In fact, a, a widow comes and confronts Elisha of a need she has. She, she was in desperate, desperate, desperate need. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 is where I want to begin as we look at this story today. It says this, that a, a wife of a man from the company of a prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead and and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors come to take my two sons, to my two boys, as his slave. This widow's husband was one of the prophets on the team with Elisha. You know, Elisha was like the chief prophet and there was all these other kind of assistant prophets. He was part of this group. And so Elisha knew him really, really well. And he knew the family as well. So this woman coming to him for need wasn't unusual. It was a, it was a relationship, personal relationship she had with him. But she's coming in need. She's coming in desperation is because they're going to take, her, her husband had a lot of debt. They had a lot of debt and there was no more making more income to come in and provide for the family. And now, I mean, back then they didn't have life insurance. There's not social security. There's no benefits for those who've lost someone. There, there, there really wasn't anything. And so the way they paid off debt back then is, is to, you were an indentured servant. You became a slave. And that was the threat that was going to happen to her sons. So she's crying out in desperation to the prophet. And Elisha replied to her this, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Now, I, when I first read that, I'm like, I'm like, Elisha, bro, that's, that's, you definitely don't have the gift of mercy, okay? Here, here's this grieving woman, and that's your thing you say to her? It's like, well, I want to help you, but what do you got in your house? I'm like, what I got in my house? Like, that's kind of inconsiderate. That's, but yet, when we look at this story, it's very, very significant to all that we're going to be talking about. Elisha was challenging and saying, hey, I know you're in grief, I know you're in need, I know you're desperate, but what do you have? What do you have? And so I'm hoping as this story unfolds, we'll be challenged to you and I as well the same thing. When we're in desperate places and desperate times and we're in lack, God can speak to us and say, what do you got? What do you have in your life's toolbox? What is it that you're having? Like, I don't have much. But I tell you, that's, as we're going to look at, that's all God needs. And as we do that, you can, you can mark this down as a, as a thought. As we, we first, when we do that, is to reflect on what we do have. That sounds pretty basic. But that's when we need to stop and reflect on what we, we do have. Because many times we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't have. But what do we have? Ladies, I don't know if this is for all of you. I don't know if it's a generation thing. It might be more of a personality thing. But some of you have really big purses that you carry around. You're the big purse people. And you have stuff. And we, 
some of us, I, my mom was a big purse lady. She had a lot in her purse. Like if I needed mint, she had, if she, I need gum, she had, I, one time I broke my shoestring. She goes, I got a shoestring for you, you know, it didn't match, you know, but it didn't matter. It got me through. I mean, she had like surgical kit. I mean, she had all kinds of band-aids. I mean, small explosives to do dynamite for, you know, project. I mean, she had all kinds of stuff, literally. I mean, not really, but she really had that in her, in her purse. She had a lot of things. And, and then when I got married, you know, I, I'm asked my wife, like, honey, you got a, you got a gum? You, you know, no? Do you got, I got a headache. You got Tylenol or anything? Nope. Well, what do you got in your purse? And, and, uh, and she goes, I just, I, she had a little purse. I'm like, whoa, that's not going to work. Little purse. I, <laughs> I said, I said, uh, I, I said, well, my mom, she carried a really big purse. She goes, well, I'm not your mom. <laughs> Good point. Glad you're not. But the irony of this is, ladies, you have all that you have in your big purses, but then you open up your closet, you go, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> now, I don't get that. I don't get that. Us guys, because this is your side, this is our side. I mean, we get, laundry day pretty quick comes around. When you got two pairs of pants and three shirts, you just kind of rotate, Right? But I say that in all justice, that we can do that in our life. We, we can look at all that we have and all that we have and we have, we, got, we go, I got nothing. And that was really kind of interesting, the lady's response. She says this, your servant has, has nothing there at all. She I don't have anything. I don't got nothing. And I want to be sensitive to the lady. I mean, she's in loss, she's in mourning, but I mean, that's just kind of overdramatic, don't you think, a little bit? I got nothing. I got nothing to show for her. I got, what are you talking about? I got, and, and, and I think we can do that in, in the land of the lack that we live in. We can look and all that we have around us, but we, in our desperations and our pain and our sorrow and things, I really don't have anything. The reality is we have something. We have something in our, in our life's toolbox at times, but we just don't always see it. We have a lot of debt. We have a lot of costs, health issues, relational challenges. There's a lot of things that are in need of us, that demand of us, of debt. That the, this, here this family is basically, they're like, we got nothing. We got nowhere how to pay what needs to be paid. We're enslaved to what's happening. But then it's interesting, she says next, she says, except a small jar of olive oil. It's kind of interesting. They got nothing, nothing at all. And they're like, oh, wait a second. Except a jar of olive oil. Now, stick with me. This is a subtle thought, but I think it's significant that we're going to see here. It's interesting is this. That Elisha, as we're going to look at here, he became interested in her exception, for it was her exception that became the vessel of an exceptional miracle. Let me say that again as we're going to look at this and you see this. Elisha was interested in her exception, for it was her exception that became a vessel of an, an exceptional miracle. And we'll see, this, we'll see this played out in this way. So can I can tell you this though, that God is interested in your exceptions. God is interested in what you have. And you think, I don't have a whole lot. Because we make a lot of excuses, again, what we don't have. We, we, we feel like we lack training, we lack resources, we're insufficient experience, we're, we're too old, we're too young, we're too this, we're too that, we don't have this. And we do that over and over and over again. And, and along the way, the, the devil, the enemy himself tells us that. He, the, the, says, you don't have anything. In fact, don't even look for anything. Don't, don't go back in your home. Don't go in your closet. Don't look in the, any life toolbox you have. You don't have anything. And yet, we have something. <laughs> we have something. 
See, here, here may, I don't know the secret, but y- y- what you need, you don't need much. All God needs is to take your life to, to a higher level is to, to you, you give him what you, what you have. See, God created, think about this, God created everything out of nothing. Your little bit that you have to give him, he could do something pretty amazing, pretty exceptional. In fact, you, we, we could say this, that God can do exceptional things with your exception. Just a little bit. But we have this, you could call it an if-then mindset. But you understand, if, if I had this, then I would be able to do this. If I could do this, then I would be able to do this. And we, we kind of live in the, the woulda, shoulda, coulda. I, I could have done this, but it didn't work. And I did like, ah, I'm out. It's like, oh, really? That quick, huh? And yet, we, we, we go, well, wait a second. There, there, there's something there. There's something there. And I, I think when we narrow it down, is this, we need to know that, that God could make exceptions. And the sense is this. His exception is to not include you in his plans. That's the exception. Because God can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. But then why are we here? Well, we need to know Jesus. Well, you, if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, you know Jesus. You're going to heaven. You know, we're going to get there. Let's not get there too quickly. We're going to get there. But why be here still? <laughs> right? We're here for a purpose. That God wants to use our exception to do something exceptional. There's a miracle that he wants to use us to be a part of. He could do it on his own. He could snap his fingers. In fact, the Bible says he can, in command of his voice, he created all of the universe. But he chooses to do it through us. He chooses to do the miracles through us. We don't need more to experience the greater no, the potential lies in what we already have. What do we have? Well, it's just a little bit of oil in a jar. Just a, just, just a, a willing heart. Say, God, I, I, I step forward toward what happens. And there, there's big dreams. You know this. There's big dreams that start. There's big vision that comes out of. There's fulfillment that happens when we take those steps. But here's something to... Keep in mind, we can't do it alone. We're not called to do it alone. It's interesting as we look at this story is, is this, asking others what they ha- might have. There is something, as we're going to look at the story of Elijah and this widow, they asked them to ask others, to ask others what they might have. When you look at your situation and to be a part of something where God's going to take what you have, there's actually asking others to be a part of. I, we, we've, I think I've shared this story a while back, but... It's, I don't know about you, there's times it's hard to ask neighbors for something because you don't want to be labeled that, that neighbor, you know, the, the takers that are out there. But there's times when you're in desperate need. Several years ago when the kids were little and we had a really, really stormy, stormy weather going on. I was driving, I worked in Bellingham and heading, heading to town and my wife calls me up and she says, the trampoline is gone. But we had a little, you know, trampoline for the kids. It's gone. What do you mean gone? It's not in the yard any longer. It's gone. So I drive back home. Come to find out it jumped. It skipped yards. And it slammed in. It was actually a widow's home. It slammed into ladies, older lady's home. And it scrunched up against her. I'm like, oh my goodness. And it's stormy and blowing and rain and everything. And my first reaction is, oh, I pray that John, my neighbor, is home. Oh God, because John was a firefighter and I see him roll up his garage and he has a ton of tools. And back then I really didn't have a whole lot 
right here, okay? This was pretty much it. And so John was home. And so we were able to bring, you know, he had tools and everything. And we basically, you know, tore this thing apart so we could get off this lady's house. And minimal damage was pretty amazing. And I'm so grateful for John to be there to help me when I needed it. And and when you're in that desperate place. But I, I, I think pride many times causes us not to ask for help, does it? And I think it's part of it, I find this is, I don't want to be labeled needy. I don't want to be labeled that I'm in need at all. Because we can do this, and I've done this before, I've quietly judged people that are like that. There's the givers and there's the takers. And there's people in life, and you know them. You have relatives, you have friends, and, 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 and basically you've quietly judged them because you're a good Christian person, you don't want to outwardly judge them, but you're in your side going, do they really, are they really, you know, you know, they're getting government assistance here, and they're helping, I mean, really, are they need, can't they go, like, can't they work? You know, I mean, you just, you go through that a little bit, and then what happens is, you, if you've been where I'm at, all of a sudden, you lose your job. I've done that happen twice. You got a pink slip. And what you end up doing is you find yourselves in lines you never thought before. And you have a whole different perspective going, oh, I guess we're all one paycheck away. It doesn't, things happen in life. You begin to look at it and then you realize that we're all in really need and that we need one another. I love how Shane expresses when we greet one another that the human-to-human contact is very, very important. Because there's some great, I, I, I've, like, man, there's some great worship, you know, stuff on YouTube. Wow, I mean, I could go to, I could watch Hillsong, I could, I could, and some of you could turn on some great preachers, probably better preachers, honestly, just be honest, there's some great preachers you can watch on YouTube or do that, but why do we come here? Because it's, it's human to human contact, it's, it's, we're right here together, it's real time, there's something powerful about the body of Christ. I love how Paul talks about the need for one another, this interdependent relationship that we're going to look at here in a moment. I want to read the verse actually. But listen, I forgot to mention, listen to Elisha says to her about her need. She says this, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for a few. Don't ask for a few. He goes and says, share your need. You don't, and I was just like, oh, if you got, hey, give me what you got. I'm really needing help here. And so that humbling sometimes for our life that we really truly are in need. But that's the body of Christ. Paul, Paul says this. He says that when one suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. What, what is he saying here? Let's parallel what Elisha's saying here. Listen, listen. You have jars, and I have jars. I need your jars, and you need my jars. We put our jars together, we become the body of Christ, that we're collectively coming before the Lord, as we're going to look at here. And in that, of our jars coming together, what we have, what we have, we bring together, that's where the miracle, miracles can take place. But here's the key to the whole thing is we collect jars and you actually, here, here you can put this in, you actually have to do with, with, with what you have. You have to actually do something with what you have. Listen to what Elisha tells the widow. She says, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the, all the jars and as each jar is filled, put it into one side. She left, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. Now, you read that and you're like, 
is it, what is the big deal? Well, it's an act of faith. You think, well, what? well all these jars, wow, we've got all these jars, it's great. Wow, wow, all these jars, we did it. But nothing's filling it until there's the act of filling. The, the lady, what did she have? She had one small little jar, except one little jar and one little oil. And there was all these empty jars. So the act of faith is for her, says she poured, she kept pouring. She kept pouring. It's kind of the, the fish of five loaves and two fish and the, in the miracle with Jesus and the disciples. They kept on handing out the, the fish and the loaves and it just kept on multiplying, filling everything. Which she was doing the same thing. She was, the act of pouring, she was filling these jars. She's like, can you imagine watching like, like, oh, that one's full and that one's full. Like, whoa, this one's full and this one's full. And this. There wasn't a big drum of, of oil coming. It was, in, she, in her pouring, God was doing the filling. Here's, here, here, here's, I think this is really basic but important. See, when you do your part, God will do his part. Now, it sounds almost work-soriented, but that's not the point of this. It's really an act of faith. When you do your part, because many times we're asking God, bless me, Lord, I need help, I need help. And God's saying to us, what do you got in your house? What do you have? And you're like, I got nothing. No, 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 no. You got something. You got a little bit of something that you can, you, I want to use that. I can do this. I can do it by myself and that'd be great. And everybody could go, oh, wonderful. But what's better, the greater work that I want to do, I want to do it through you. Because that's where the miracle, and that's where you're going to find fulfillment in your life and the purposes of your life. I want to do it through you. And what God's given us is a little bit of health, a little bit of wealth, a little bit of wisdom to not consume for ourselves is so that when we pour it out, then God can use our lives. Another way to say it is what we have is our time. It's our talents. It's our treasure. That's our response to God as God's blessed us with even seems a little bit. He wants to use our life. Many of you have lots of time. Some of you are retired and you have time. You have time in your hands throughout the week and there's many things you can be doing. And as much as you're enjoying retirement, there comes a place going, is this it? Yeah, no, there's more to life than just this is it. There's opportunities to serve in the church and the community. Some of you going, I'm not, I'm not retired, I'm just tired. Some of you are in that category. And you don't have a lot of time. But I bet you have an hour a week, maybe two hours a month. One of, one of the things that this summer in, in we're getting ready as the summer months hit, we got lots of people serving in our church and our kids ministry and our hospitality and our greeting and ushering. And, out. and some of our folks are kind of tired of it. They're going on vacation. They're taking time off because they've been serving so faithfully throughout uh, really the, the, this last school year. And so we're needing some reinforcements. And so if you got a little bit of time this summer, maybe an hour or two a month, would you be able to usher? Would you be able to help out with kids? Do, 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 do something if you're not really involved right now? There's actually a sign-up sheet in the back at the connection point you can mark off. In fact, some of those needs on Sunday morning to serve, but also we're wanting to serve the community again this summer, doing some of the summer events that are happening, that we're just going to be a, a presence as a church and to, to do that. You have some time. Some of you have some incredible talents. In fact, we all have talents. Some of you, you don't realize a talent, but you can chew gum and walk at the same time. That's a talent. You have something you can do, right? And some of it's even more sophisticated than that. I, I don't know if Bob's here today, but you might see in recent weeks, uh, I've 
a, a gentleman who takes pictures. He's got the biggest lens. I mean, this guy is serious in taking pictures. But he asks, hey, how can I use my talents? And he goes, I take photos. And so you'll see Bob and you'll see some of his pictures on, online throughout the week that we use to promote the church and what God's doing here. Bob comes up to me and he goes, hey, thanks for letting me do that. I'm like, thank you. We should thank you, Bob, because what it is, he's using his talents to do that. The other thing that God has given us is given us all amount of a little bit of treasure. It's in our finances. God's, God's blessed us with something. And what we do in the church, what we talk about a lot is tithing. Some of you have heard that term tithing. You're like, tithing, tithing, is it a tithe? What are we talking about? 10%, tithe means 10%. And in the Bible, it talks about giving your first 10%. It's called your first fruits, giving your first and best to God. That's what God wants us to do, our life, to give our first and best to him, uh, not our last and lev- leftovers. And especially with finances, if you try to give, you know, like in a, in a charity giving, you're going to have a lot more month than money. I mean, your last and leftovers won't be anything left over, right? And so the, the, the discipline and really the, the trust of tithing is giving that 10% to God and giving it to the local church so we can do great things as a church, the server community in our world. Now people, I've had a lot of people over the years, that's one of those areas that people ask me a lot about tithing and giving. Should, is that something we should do? And, 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 and the other question is, well, what if I tithe to other ministries? Like I use that and I give to other ministries. And, and many people do. They give to those ministries. We support a lot of ministries as a church, different mission organizations and local ministries that we do. But here's the challenge. I talked to someone recently about this. They wanted to take their tithe and not give to the church, but they wanted to give to a person in need. And, I, and, I, and I, as much as I was sensitive to the person and what they're doing, I see the person's in need. I said, the, I said, the challenge with that is like, if we all did that, we wouldn't be here. And she, she couldn't quite figure that. What, what do you mean by that? I'm just saying if we all like gave our offering away, we just gave it to everybody else, we actually just wouldn't be here. We, wouldn't have, there, we just wouldn't exist any longer. But the church is, is the mission agent in which we are to do it through. And so if you're wondering what to do, tithing is a good start. It's a 10%, but it's not about the amount. It's not about how much, it's, it's really about not equal giving, it's, it's equal sacrifice. But it's, what we're doing is living a life of generosity. What God's given us, if it's, if it's our time, if it's our talents and our treasure, but what I've learned in all of it, it's a trust. It's all about trusting God, that what God's given us, he wants to use because that is all he needs. And when he does, when we do that, this is so beautiful, you can, this, this last thought here, when we give our time, our talents, our treasure, our health, our wealth, our wisdom, is this, God will fill you with what you don't have and then some. God will fill you with what you don't have and then some. I, I just love what happens here. It says that, that last part that she brought, they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. It's a beautiful picture. Kept pouring. Out of her simple act of obedience, a miracle was taking place. Out of her act of obedience, a miracle was taking place. Let me go back again on that. When we sometimes say, God, I need a miracle. Oh, God, I need a miracle. You got to do something. And I really believe God's saying, you too. You got to do something. I, I want to I partner with you. There's a, there's a what I got, what I have that God 
That's all God needs. There's a act, a simple obedience that led to faith. And what's so beautiful is this woman did the pouring, God did the filling. When we're pouring out our lives, God does the filling. And he fills us when we pour our life out him. I much rather be a vessel than a reservoir. I much rather be a river than a pond. I much rather be this flowing freshness of God in me and through me. And God continues. You're wondering, come on, you're wondering why God has not filled your life. Kind of challenges. Maybe you actually haven't poured your life out enough yet. That God still wants to use, I know he does, wants to use your life. God's calling. You got to answer, bro. God's calling, speaking to you. God's provision for our lives. We stare at the problem at empty jars and we're going, wow, I don't know what to do. I got nothing. No, no, no. You got something. And as you pour out your life, and, and listen, our limitations, God's greatest opportunity, if we will act upon it. When, when we say, God, I, I pour myself out in prayer every day. Lord, I'm going to pour into my marriage. Lord, I'm going to pour into my kids. I'm going to pour into my, my job. I'm going to pour into the church with my time and my talents, my treasures. God, I want to see your kingdom built, not my kingdom. And we start pouring out. This is the beautiful thing. God meets our needs and then some. Listen to what happens here with the widow. When all the jars were full, she said, to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You catch what's happening? Think about this. How, if, if this woman had more jars, do you think God would continue to flow more? I believe so. The more God has blessed us with, God just wants to continue to flow through. It's none of it for ourselves. It's, it's us willingness, laying ourselves out, pouring ourselves out. God begins to fill us, begins to fill us, and it never runs out because God is an abundant God. And he just wants us to put our, our lives before him as an offering because of all that he's done for us. As we close this series and as our team comes, as we wrap this up, let me just ask this question overall and all of it is this. Are you willing to bring your all? Are you willing? What does God require of us? All. What, well, all? All. Well, how, how much? Like, no, all. 10%? You're talking 10%, right? No, All. Our very hearts, our body, soul, spirit, our time, talent, treasure, everything is to be an offering before him that we pour out our lives. Why? Because that is exactly what God did out of his great love. He gave us Jesus. Her Jesus poured out his life for us. His very blood was poured out. Here these, this woman, her jars were filled so that she could sell to pay the debt that they, they owed so that they would not be slaves any longer. Don't miss the parallel. Don't miss it. Jesus came and he poured his life out. He poured his blood out as an offering for us to, to meet the need to, so that 
our lives could be purchased so that that debt could be relieved, that the forgiveness could come so that we are no longer slaves to sin. Jesus did that for us. If you're sitting here and going, I don't really think God's done much in my life lately. Baloney. He has done everything for you. What's our response? It's just our turn. To do what? To give all. But I don't have a whole lot. Well, that's all God needs. It's just a little. A little toolbox. A little, a little bit of some jars. That, that's what we have. Whatever we have, God wants to use. That's all he needs. And what happens when he fills our life, it keeps overflowing as we continue to bring. And as we pour, think about this, as we pour out our lives and we keep bringing empty jars, he keeps filling and we become moving. And pretty soon what we happen is see, we see transformation. We see a miracle. We're saying it today. A miracle is happening because it's happening not just in us, blessing us, but through us. Can I, can I challenge you with this? And all my heart for you is this. Stop asking God to bless you. Let's stop asking God to bless us. Let's change that prayer to this. God, use what I have. Take what little I have and make it an overflow. Can we believe for that? Can we believe that God wants to use our little lives our little jars, our little what are we offering is an offering to him for him to flow in us, flow through us. All that we have, that's all that God needs. Will you pray with me? What we have, Lord, this is it. This is us. This is it. And many times, Lord, And I, I, would, I would say that there, there was some here that would, would agree with me in, in confession to you that we have dwelled in what we lacked and what we don't have. And Lord, we've been ungrateful for what we do have. We've looked our lives with discontentment We've got caught up in consumerism. We got caught up in comparison. We look at our lack of health, our lack of wealth, our lack of know-how and wisdom, and we have lived in lack. And Lord, we, we repent of that, Lord, today. And we confess our lack of faith as a sin to you, Lord, today. And Lord, you're challenging us to look within, to go back into our homes, to go back into life's toolbox and, and to grab what we have and to give to you all that we have. Our body, soul, spirit, our time, talent, treasure, everything that's about us, we give unto you, Lord. That's what you want. Because you modeled to us, because you gave everything to us through your son, Jesus, that was poured out. May Lord, we may we re, be, may we just confess the fact that we we many times, even throughout our week, we we don't thank you enough for th- such sacrifice. That your blood was poured out to pay the price of our indebtedness. That we no longer have to be slaves of sin, but Lord, we can be alive and free, just as like that widow and those sons. We can live alive and we can live free in you. And now, Lord. You challenge us to give what we have back to you so that you would flow 
through us today. God, those of us, we would say right now, though, we, as much as we believe in that, Lord, we are in need. We are in a lack. And, and so, God, as we pour ourselves out, not just on a sunny morning, but throughout this week, as we pour our life as a dedication, as an offering to you, Lord, there is such a promise that you already fulfilled through your very spirit to come to this earth to fill us above and beyond that we, you said where we can ask or even imagine your abundance in our life that you would want to flow in us, so Lord, that you want to flow through us, Lord. So as we pour out, as we dedicate ourselves to pour out this week, Lord, will you fill us, Lord, to abundance, Lord, and it would just flow and we would give and it would flow. And Lord, we would be vessels, not reservoirs of your spirit and that you would do great things and that miracles truly, truly could happen. We ask for that, Lord. And we just invite your spirit to come and dwell in us so, Lord, we can be filled up that you can flow through us. We pray this in in your son's name, in Jesus' name.